everyone, it's Wednesday here. Welcome to another edition of WeatherWise. I'm meteorologist Ulysses Garcia and I am with meteorologist Sloan Haynes. So yes, today we're going to be talking about atmospheric river. You've been hearing it a lot on the news and you know we're going to talk about what it means, what it does and how this plays a role when it comes mm -hmm. to the weather across the United States. So let's yep. So let's start off with what is an atmospheric river. Um, and, you know, the best way to explain it is just a long flowing region of the atmosphere that carries water vapor through the sky. So, mm -hmm. so it's kind of like rivers of water, but in the sky. Yep. And it moves with the weather, so it's not moving against the weather. Mm -hmm. And it's carrying an amount of water vapor roughly equivalent to the average flow of water at the mouth of the Mississippi River. And this is according to NOAA, um, that data there. And when these atmospheric rivers make landfall, like what we saw over the weekend out west and into the beginning of the work week, they often release this water vapor in the form of rain or snow. Now, atmospheric rivers do exist all the time. It's not just like this popped up in the atmosphere. They do transport water vapor. Um, I believe Ulysses was talking about the pineapple expressed to me beforehand that brings some moisture around the area of Hawaii up that way. So they're not always going to make landfall, but they do um, transport water vapor from one area of the world to the other is a way to think about it. No, yes. And yeah, this tends to be a common term uh, that's used, especially out west. And like Sloan mentioned, the Pineapple Express. So usually they'll grab moisture, uh, not all the time, but they'll grab it usually from the tropics and then they'll carry it over towards, you know, the mid latitudes. And that's what we saw here, um, you know, making its way into parts of the Pacific Northwest on so Washington, Oregon, California. They've just been uh, all of a sudden bombarded with rain, but they usually start off in tropical regions and with those warm temperatures that cause, you know, so with those warmer temperatures from the tropics, they bring more humidity mm -hmm. and that carries it over into the mid latitudes. But yeah. like Sloan mentioned though, it just carries rain and snow. And especially for out west though, um, you know, this is beneficial news in the sense that they're getting rain and mm -hmm. snow, but not the way that they want to yes. get it. Yes. Um, I'm talking, I have a few facts about these atmospheric rivers. Again, just think of it as a mode of transport from water vapor from somewhere to somewhere else. And apparently, according to researchers, um, you know, data collected over the years has shown that there are approximately 250 to 375 miles wide. That is on average. They move with the weather, as we mentioned earlier, and are present somewhere on the earth at any time. And speaking of out west, because this, you know, is the weather event that we are talking about this week, just because the videos, the photos, the rainfall, snowfall totals even have been quite impressive for um, out west. So on average, about 30 to 50 percent of annual precipitation on the west coast occurs in just a few atmospheric river events and contributes to the water supply and the flooding risk. So again, there's some good that comes from these atmospheric rivers bringing that rainfall, but some bad too. 
but to give you the setup of how it does impact land, you know, what happens when this makes landfall is so we're going to have it move inland and it will go over higher terrain. So think the mountains and the water vapor rises within the atmospheric river and cools, which is causing, you know, it wants to go somewhere now, it's cooling, so it wants to fall. So this is how we're going to get some heavy precipitation. And again, it's not just rain, we can see snowfall events. I know um, places out west, their ski resorts are now opening uh, this Friday, I believe, because they, some places got over four feet of snow. So it did produce um, a considerable amount of rainfall, but Ulysses was mentioning that there has, there's cons to atmospheric rivers. You know, they're helping with the drought, but California has been dry for a long time. So the land isn't absorbing the water as quickly. Um, you're having rivers, streams, creeks at flood stages causing the concern for flooding from that as well. So there's all these other things that were happening as this atmospheric river was moving inland. No, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, like definitely the, you know, we've been seeing reports of mudslides and landslides, and that's gonna be a threat here as long as they keep getting these systems pushing through. And, you know, just to mention, even though the west coast of the United States is one of the most common areas to get these, um, it's pretty much kind of any areas that are on the west coast of continents. Um, tend to get this type of influence. So you also have to think about, uh, you know, Western Europe, the West Coast of Africa, the Iberian Peninsula, um, even, you know, New Zealand gets uh, some of this. So it's pretty much the Western portions of continents have the best chance to get this. So that means like, you know, uh, on the Atlantic side, so, you know, the atmospheric river could start off just off the coast of the United States, but that will impact parts of like, say, uh, you know, England or France, that's how they can get atmospheric rivers. Um, so it's not just here on the west coast of the United States, but it's definitely, but obviously um, one of the cons of this is if the atmospheric river is not doing as great a certain year, um, that will be definitely noticeable when it comes to the droughts um, across the area. So keep in mind that this usually tends to happen in the mid-latitudes going into the winter. And like Sloan mentioned before, they get about a, thir a third of their annual precipitation from these atmospheric rivers. So if they don't get that rainfall, usually that's typically in the winter months, um, they're kind of in a big pickle going into the summer months mm -hmm. with that wildfire threat. So mm -hmm. like Sloan mentioned, that is one of the pros uh, when it comes to these atmospheric rivers is that they're getting the rainfall for the year. But obviously with the way California in the West has been lately, um, you know, just these few rounds, that's not gonna be enough to get them out of drought. It's just gonna get them out of the short-term situation, but long-term, they really are gonna need a good amount of rain and snow um, just to make up a good amount of ground for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And um, with the precipitation falling, you know, talking about that wildfire season, fire officials did say, um, watching stories from across the nation, especially out west, they're saying, you know, for them there, they're like, we have two seasons for us. Um, we have fire season and then we have storm season and they're like overnight, we went from having wildfire season to now having storms rolling through the area. So with um, that wildfire concern um, diminishing, other concerns rise. So debris flow from um, these fires, we can see that, you know, where these fires move through, really hasn't been cleaned up there. Rain coming, causing, especially torrential downpour like this, causing debris flow, um, mudslides. A lot of highways I saw had boulders falling down on them because all this rain causing the soil underneath not to be as compact and more strong, 
causing this to happen. So we saw that um, with this, but for the setup that happened out west, what also made it um, stand out was they also had a bomb cyclone off the shore that did influence their weather too. So yes, there was a bomb cyclone, um, you know, just off the coast of British Columbia. And I know um, it was mentioned throughout the weekend that it got to like the lowest records, mm -hmm. lowest on record for a, a cyclone in that portion of the Pacific. I think the millibars were like 940 millibars. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's definitely, and you can see it deepening. Um, you know, I noticed like when, when you look at satellites of it, you can tell that it was definitely deepening and strengthening um, throughout Sunday before it made landfall mm -hmm. into British Columbia. But yeah, yeah. definitely 940, uh, you know, definitely intense for when it comes to a mid-latitude cyclone. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when it comes to tropical systems, we've seen the millibars go down into the 800s, but still yeah. pretty intense um, for that part of Canada yeah. and in the United States. And they were saying that its pressure um, was rivaling the minimum pressure of Sandy from 2012 here on the East Coast, which was a hurricane. So um, again, and just for people who don't know at home, a bomb cyclone means the minimum central air pressure drops by 24 millibars or more in 24 hours, signifying intense and speedy deepening. So when we see a low pressure deepening, it means it's getting stronger. Um, we, see, we do see that with tropical systems here on the East Coast. We see it with strong low pressure systems making their way across the country. But just that you know um, that and this as Ulysses was saying, this really did drive that atmospheric river to impact California the way it did. Now, I do have, um, before we get to, um, actually, they can classify the atmospheric rivers, but talk about some of those precipitation totals that I found online the other day. So, in the higher elevations, we obviously saw more precipitation fall there, just because it's closer there. So, um, if we take a look at, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Mount Tamalpais had over 16 inches of precipitation. Now with these higher elevations too, the precipitation isn't just rain, it's also snow that does um, fall there. If we take a look at Oakland Hills, they had 6.86 inches of precipitation fall. And this was over a 48 hour period, ending early Monday morning at 8 a.m. their time for um, Big Rock over seven inches of rain fell, Half Moon Bay, over four and a half inches of rain fell there. And if we take a look at St. Helena, over 10 and a half inches of rain fell. So a lot of rain did, or a lot of precipitation rather, did fall within a 48 hour period, which led to these um, threatening concerns, these hazards out there like flooding, like mudslides, like debris flow from these storms. And again, I mentioned earlier that ski resorts are opening, which to me, Cannot believe it's already you know getting to that time of the year where we're going to see trading in bathing suits for skis and snow gear, but they are opening up now because they did receive a few feet of snow. No, yes, absolutely, definitely. You know, it's uh, the transition of seasons. The fact, like you said, trading in bathing suits for, you know, um, you know, heavy winter mm -hmm. gear now. But the fact, and like you said, you know, like you've been mentioning before, the fact that, uh, you know, how you know this is all really just the effect of the orographic lift how when mm -hmm. moisture moves up a mountain it's going to dump it um as it gets you know as it goes up in that on the windward side of the mm -hmm. island and then once it gets to the leeward side on the other side of the mountain it's going to be more of a rain shadow effect so these areas most of these areas that sloan just mentioned a moment ago are more than likely going to be the areas that got are on the windward side of those mm -hmm. mountains because on the other side of the mountain 
um, all that moisture is already squeezed out yeah. and those areas will receive less amounts. They'll probably still get something, but nothing as intense as what it is on the windward side. But I just wanted to mention that since we were talking about how the mountains play a role, but that is pretty much how the orographic lift um, plays out. So that's why the orographic, um, these atmospheric rivers, they kind of tend to fizzle out by the time they make their way towards the Rockies because all the moisture is mm -hmm. already squeezed out of them. Mm -hmm. Um, by the time they hit the Rockies or even towards the Great Plains. Exactly. And just a few more um, totals. Um, if we take a look at Lake Tahoe's North Shore, up to in 18 inches of snow was recorded on Monday, and a foot of snow was reported in California's in California on Tahoe's west shore and for their south shore five inches of snow. So again, it wasn't, you know, we saw this snow throughout a good portion out there out west but what i mentioned earlier is that they can actually measure how strong these atmospheric rivers are now there is a scale for that but similar to we can say how we measure hurricanes on the saffir simpson scale there is some disagreement among researchers if they should use the scale or not just because of um, the constraints of it and how studying these atmospheric rivers is a relatively newer topic no yeah absolutely yes yeah. so they there is a scale um that has been released and it's consist and there's it's actually done by a formula they use a three mm -hmm. hour average and they use the units of kilogram per meters per second so mm -hmm. um but yeah it's based on five scales and it's so there's a cat one a cat two a cat three cat four a cat five and then it's um yeah and there's based on ivt so that is the integrated water vapor transport so that's, I'm just, that's just based on how much water vapor it's transporting. Uh, so a weak one, and the impact they have is based on primarily beneficial. So that means, um, you know, so that means that those areas that are probably that have been droughts, they're just going to get, you know, a decent amount of rain, but nothing to the point where it's too alarming. Um, then a category two is considered mostly beneficial, but also hazardous. So this will be kind of when, you know, things become a bit of a concern. Then at a category three, it's considered a strong one. So it's a balance of beneficial and hazardous. So yeah, it will bring a good amount of rain, in some, especially in those areas where they really need it. It'll be very beneficial, but there will likely be some consequences out of it. Then once we get to a category four, it's extreme. It's mostly hazardous, also beneficial. So what that means is that, yes, it, it will be very beneficial in the fact that we'll get a good amount of rain and snow. But by this point, um, you know, we'll likely start seeing more physical damage uh, from areas. So, you know, mm -hmm. mudslides, landslides, flooding, um, you know, and probably see some property damage by it. And by mm -hmm. a level five is exceptional, uh, primarily hazardous. So that's pretty much going to be, you know, a good amount of destruction from it. Yes, it's going to be a lot of rain or snow, but definitely there will be a lot of problems mm -hmm. out of it. So there's disruption of life and property. And um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of categorized, you know, how they have like, um, those millennium type events or something yeah. like that. That's probably will be like a, categ a category five and mm -hmm. maybe like once every like 30 years or so for like a, a category three mm -hmm. or category four or something. And this was, you know, created not only to help meteorologists classify these um, systems, but to help emergency managers and the public to distinguish between weaker atmospheric rivers and stronger atmospheric rivers. So it's a tool not only for researchers to use, but for people to be able to communicate the public about what is happening out there. But as we've mentioned, as I mentioned, um, there is, you know, some pros, some cons, but if you really think about the scale, 
that's what it is. It's weighing like, will this amount of rainfall be good or precipitation be good for this area or will it be bad? Which one's going to outweigh the other? And that's more of a simple way to think about um, the scale because it is a um, intense formula to do it. But a big strength of this going from the research perspective is that the category scale is, is that its variations across a grid of roughly 30 by 30 miles could be generated as a forecast element by computer models. So that's something nice that you know, computer models can be used to help um, classify these systems, taking in all of those factors. But then again, it's also up to somebody to interpret these models. Nice. So that is a um, con to this. And other downsides of this could be it's not designed to capture very intense rainfall rates over short periods in small areas, which that can lead to some devastating flash flooding and the altitude of the rain snow line. So, you know, what separates the rain and the snow areas that will be receiving rain, areas that are receiving snow, generally in the middles where we see that mixed precipitation um, is not incorporated into this. So that can also be hard, especially within, you know, maybe closer to the surface between you know, the higher elevation and the surface level where you'll start to see it transitioning from snow to rain there. So those are some issues um, within this. And also the scale is not really based on the damage um, caused. It's sort of like how you go back and you're thinking about, for hurricanes, you're just thinking about you know the wind speed and the damage mm -hmm. that wind speed could cause. This is incorporating other factors as well. The damage is a con that's weighed within that formula, but um, there's other factors that can outweigh it. No, yeah, absolutely. So like, you know, like Sloan was mentioning, it's, it's still relatively new scale, so there's still gonna be a lot of kinks to it. Um, it's probably gonna get more modified. And obviously, you know, as technology goes on, we'll learn more and more about how these atmospheric rivers, well, you know, they will, you know, we'll learn more about mm -hmm. them and that scale will be tweaked out and we'll know what exactly to a degree, like what every category will mean. But like mm -hmm. Sloan mentioned, it's just that it just depends on what's beneficial and what's more hazardous. Mm -hmm. So, and that's really what the cat, what the scale is right now. But, and also like she mentioned, is the fact that, you know, every area is gonna experience the magnitude of this to a different degree. It all mm -hmm. depends on, you know, the topography, the, the, the altitude, uh, and you know, just where it's located. So, you mm -hmm. know, like she said, localized area could get really, really bad. Flash flooding could be, you know, once in a century type of flooding, but another area might not get a lot of it. And mm -hmm. some of these atmospheric rivers, you know, they look promising, but they could end up being a bust as well. So mm -hmm. just like how we've had when it comes to hurricanes mm -hmm. or, or even severe weather events where they look like they're going to be coming through and it can end up, uh, you know, nothing happens out of them or they just fall apart. So. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we really saw the impacts from this atmosphere river out west this weekend over a 48 hour period, but these can be prolonged events too. So that also, you know, is incorporated into that duration um, part of the formula. Like for example, really quick in, uh, on January 2nd, 1997, there's an atmospheric river that lasted for over a hundred hours at the central California coast. That started actually on December 9th, 29th, 1996, and lasted until January 2nd, 1997. So these can be prolonged events. I mean, we saw it last for a couple days out west, and as we head into the middle and end of this work week, we're still seeing them you know, beginning to recover, um, cleaning up the roads where they had those mudslides and um, debris flows move through. So we are going to see 
then recover from this, and then eventually soon see what the estimated um, damage is, is from that. Because from that one back from 1996 to 1997, it caused more than a billion dollar in damages. So these can be catastrophic to um, infrastructure as well. No, yeah, absolutely. So you just mentioned it there. So they're saying atmospheric rivers, uh, you know, based on data that has been already, you know, calculated, um, they tend to average about a billion dollars, $1.1 billion um, annually in damage. So, you know, they definitely are up there when it comes to events like tornadoes, hurricanes, um, you know, winter weather, or even, you know, when we have extreme heat or extreme cold. So they're definitely up there with the other major um, weather events. So, you know, over a billion dollars. So, and there has been data that has been shown, um, you know, based on, you know, how flood insurance mm -hmm. and the National Weather Service, they've just been, been able to um, find it. And a lot of these counties are all, are all along the west coast um mm -hmm. i was looking at here one of the events here and only one of the counties that has over a billion dollars is outside of those three states and it's in nevada but even by nevada by that point like i mentioned before though if there's enough moisture left over after getting squeezed out from the cascades um you know or even um uh, those you know mounds in california those are going to eventually get uh, you know, if there's enough moisture, it will carry over into Nevada. But most mm -hmm. of these events are really just focused over Washington, yep. Oregon, Especially California, the and then even up into British Columbia and Canada, mm -hmm. or even Alaska, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I saw some reports, too, of in the past, atmospheric rivers have brought a considerable amount of precipitation to parts of Alaska. So this does impact the entire west coast of our um country so that or our continent rather so something to think about when you're traveling maybe you could be there for one of these events and experience all this precipitation maybe snow or maybe the rain no yeah so definitely uh you know obviously you know the fact that the mm -hmm. season is starting um you know the elevations are still high just because mm -hmm. the fact that we're still dealing with a little bit of that higher sun angle but obviously as we get deeper into november and december we'll start seeing those elevations drop um, so yeah, we'll definitely start seeing some more snow. But regardless, though, um, you know, because of the wire, wildfire situation, it's not as beneficial. But it's definitely beneficial mm -hmm. because they do need the rain and they mm -hmm. do need the snow mm -hmm. because they got to think long term here. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, the way it, in the short term, it's not as good because of all the problems that's happening. But in the long term, it is a good situation. Yep. Well. Make sure that if you do visit out west that you stay weather aware out there, especially um, during one of these events. I think we covered everything, Ulysses. Oh, yes. So, yeah, so it's, uh, so yeah, definitely that we covered everything when it comes to atmospheric river. So that way you guys know what exactly it is. So it's not just this, um, you know, media term. It's mm -hmm. actually an actual scientific term. Um, and, you know, the weather, er, you know, just to quickly wrap things up here. So, yeah, the atmospheric river, like I mentioned before, it's mostly on the west coast. Um, but you know, we get these, but you know, you know, in, in a way though, you know, this, it's an atmospheric river, uh, they kind of tend to also even somewhat follow the jet stream because, you know, we'll see these mm -hmm. systems come out of the West and they eventually impact here, even on Delmarva later on in the week. Not probably not the same as atmospheric river because, you know, it gets moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, but you know, we're definitely getting some of that influence here on Delmarva, um, just, you know, with these storms. Um, coming out of the west coast and making their way towards the east. We're seeing that jet stream make its way a little bit more towards the south. So we're talking about that, though, we are tracking our next system, which will be here on Friday. And this was one of the, I think this was the system that started off on the weekend 
on mm. Monday or on Sunday back on the West Coast. I think this is the one I was talking about back on Sunday and Monday mm -hmm. that was on the West Coast. And now will be impacting us here on yep. Friday. So um, have so, that umbrella handy then. So yeah, <laughs> so have that umbrella handy. But the good news though, the weather is looking to be good for Halloween, everyone. So for yes. all you trick or treaters out there here on Delmarva, um, it's looking to be a good one here. Yes, it is. Can't wait. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that just because you know, even though it's mostly a West Coast thing, um, it does kind of carry over a bit towards mm -hmm. um, the East. Yep. That's but, right. With that, though, um, you know, I just want to say to everyone, thank you for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great finish to their week. And also, you know, I ha have a safe and happy Halloween, everyone. I'm meteorologist Ulysses Garcia. And I'm meteorologist Lynn Haynes. And here on WeatherWise, we're bringing you some weather wisdom. So thank you and see you around. Till next time.